John chapter 11. This last section of John chapter 11 is different. It's glorious. It's beautiful. And it's a different way of glorifying God. It's not raising Lazarus from the dead. It's what God did through his arch enemy, Caiaphas, the Sadducee and high priest of Israel. John chapter 11, beginning at verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? If this, for this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself. But being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence into a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went up, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves, as they stood in the temple, What think ye? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment, that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, that they might take him. But they didn't take him until he wanted to be taken. Right. He approached them in the Garden of Gethsemane. They did not find him. He found them. And he said, Whom seekest thou? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth, I am he. Let these go. And his disciples were glad that he said that, and they ran away. But the Lord Jesus Christ was taken by them. Now let's look at these verses very quickly in the minutes that we have. I love this passage of Scripture because God uses his enemy to make a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ while he's designing the Lord Jesus Christ's death. Right. Verses 45 and 46 show the division among the Jews. Many of the Jews believed on Jesus because of raising Lazarus from the dead. Verse 46 tells us, But some others went and told the Pharisees what Jesus had done. So they gather a council together in verse 47. What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. Let's see, John chapter 11 and verse 47. The answer to that question, verse 47, What do we? Well, my outline suggests... Repent of your sins and believe on him. When you've got the prophesied Messiah of your nation and he's doing many miracles, repent. Believe on him. But no, they want to kill him. That is blindness that is hard to even imagine. But that's the blindness of depravity and it's the blindness of judicial blindness that God put on the nation of Israel for rejecting the prophets that he had sent them before. The Lord has mercy only for a time then he will not be merciful. He is not merciful forever. He told the woman of, Jeze the, woman of the church of Thyatira, 
that he gave her a space of time to repent. And if she didn't repent, he would cast her and all those that were committing spiritual adultery, I understand that passage to be teaching, into a bed and destroy them. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. Right. What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. Yes, he did many miracles, all kinds of miracles. The size and magnitude of some of the miracles, raising the dead, stopping storms, a great storm into a great calm, multiplying a small loaf, small lunch of loaves and fishes into a large buffet for a whole crowd to eat with lots of leftovers. Just on and on he went, healing the blind, the lame walking at the pool of Bethesda. Verse 48, if we let him thus alone, if we don't do something about it, all men will believe on him. There will be a re religious revolution in our nation. And this nation will turn to the religion of Jesus of Nazareth and the Romans who do not like confusion or chaos in their empire will come and take away our place of worship, our temple and our city and our nation. We will not have the little bit of independence and freedom that we still have because they had their own king, though he was an appointed king. Herod was a king of the Jews. We will not have this privilege. We will not have our temple. They will take it away. They will take away our freedom of worship. And so they're sounding very noble here. We need to do something about this because the Romans are not going to put up with a revolutionary change in religion in our nation. And especially since the enemies of, the, of Christians have accused us of being anti-government. Remember when he was on trial for his life, the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're a friend of Caesar, Pilate, you will understand that this man is a threat to Caesar and you'll do something about it. Acts chapter 17, the city of Thessalonica, these Christians worship another king named Jesus. Yes, but our king is the king of your king and our king told us to worship your king, so we do both. The history of Christians in letters that were exchanged with emperors in the first couple of centuries explained that Christians were model citizens. And we want to be model citizens. Maybe at the men's meeting on Wednesday night, we should have a little bit more to say about that family out in California that thinks they're Christian in any way, shape, or form. We cannot allow anything like that to happen in our homes. That is ridiculous. Christians have been model citizens, and we want to be model citizens. We don't want to speak against our government. We don't want to speak against our rulers. And so the verse, the reasoning here is we, we do have to do something. The Romans are going to take away our temple, our city, our place of worship, and our nation, and we will lose our role in that nation as well when they do that. Caiaphas joins in in verse 49, one of them named Caiaphas. We're going to see him again. We're going to see him in the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see him later in the book of Acts when the apostles are brought before him. His father's name was, father-in-law was Annas. They are mentioned in the Bible. They were enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here this man stands up being the high priest that same year. We will run into this event here twice more before we get out of the gospel of John. This event right here, this little tiny event will be mentioned because it was a dramatic way that God was able to get words out of Caiaphas's mouth of prophecy about Jesus Christ. It'll be brought up again, twice. Ye know nothing at all. 
Now that's a pretty arrogant high priest. Since he had gathered a council together of other chief priests and Pharisees, the straightest sects of the Jews' religion, ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us. This is political expediency. Whatever gets the votes, we'll do it. I'll promise anything if I can get the votes. We'll do it. We'll sacrifice somebody. We'll sacrifice this. We'll sacrifice that. You know, righteousness wants to save all righteous. Political expediency, that it's expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. Look, guys, if we kill the Lord Jesus Christ, the Romans can be, have explained to them that there was a religious revolution taking place. Jesus was the founder and instigator of it. We killed him. We're going to find favor. We're going to get benefits out of this whole thing if we put him to death. It's easy. You guys don't know anything at all. Why is there even anything to discuss? This is a no-brainer. The Romans aren't going to come if we get rid of the threat. And the threat is this Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, no. The followers of Jesus of Nazareth turned the world upside down, let alone Judea. Ye know nothing at all. He says in verse 49, then he gives his explanation in verse 50. In effect, you stupid fools should be able to see that killing this one man can save the whole nation. For it is but one man that threatens our temple and nation, then let us get rid of him to calm Rome. That's the reasoning here. This vile man mocked his associates for any wrangling or worrying about what to do with Jesus. He was so sure of political expediency, no matter the cost to justice, that he scorned discussion about it. Such a choice is nearly an axiom in military and political history of sacrificing one to save many. And I just gave you the explanation. They later accused Jesus to Pilate of being guilty of sedition against Rome. The wisdom of Caiaphas was to kill Jesus, though he was their own Messiah. Think about his wisdom. The wisdom of Caiaphas, which was not really wisdom, was to kill Jesus who was their Messiah. The wisdom of Caiaphas was to justify the blood of one man for the nation, yet he would shortly rue the day that he ever shed the blood of that one man and tell the apostles not to bring the guilt of that one man's blood on them. The wisdom of Caiaphas did not defeat God's plan, but rather confirmed it. The wisdom of Caiaphas turned the council's greatest fear on their heads because who came and took their temple away and their city away and their nation? The Romans don't ever do anything against God's will. God's revealed so much to us. He's told us how to have a family. He's told us how to have relationships. He's told us about marriage. If you try to violate, violate that in the slightest way, you will have it come down on your own head and on your own pate. Haman tried to do things his way, and those gallows were used to hang him on them. And those that want to use vengeance like that on others are going to have that vengeance on themselves. That is the word of the Lord. That's the way of the Lord. And that's the way he did it here. This was not wisdom. This was folly. But it was the Lord bringing these words out of this man. And it was Caiaphas that stood on trial. We adjure thee. We adjure thee. Tell us, art thou the Christ? You bet I am. And I'm going to tell you this. You're going to see the Son of Man sitting in glory and coming in the clouds of heaven. As he told that assembled leadership of the Jews, some of you are going to live long enough to see me coming back to destroy this nation. 
That's Matthew chapter 26 around verse 63. Expedient. Brethren, we never want expediency at the cost of truth, righteousness, or wisdom. Beware of it. Never do what is practical. Never do what is advantageous. Always do what is truthful, what is righteous, and what is wise. As defined by the Bible, not defined by you or anyone else or everyone else. As the Bible defines it. Let us do things the Bible way. It may seem expedient to dicker with a seller, but as I discussed with some young brothers and older brother yesterday, God will judge the lies and the theft. If you say it is not, it is not, in order to get a seller to come down his price and then negotiate with him, you're such a cheapskate to begin with, it shows that you don't have any idea of financial progress by even doing such a thing because that's not how anyone ever gets ahead by dickering about a price. But anyway, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 14, it is not, it is not, saith the buyer, then he goes his way and boasts. Now see, it might be expedient for you to do a little walking around that car several times and say, well, look at this and look at that. I know the seller says, but you're buying a 10-year-old car. I know, but look at this and look, it's a 10-year-old car. And then you go your way and boast, you're a liar and you're a thief. That's what the Lord says. But it was expedient. No, it wasn't expedient. It's going to come down on your own head. We want to be careful in everything the Bible tells us. We, want, we don't want to be expedient. We want to be righteous. It may seem expedient to reduce giving to catch up financially, but God says different. God says there is that scattereth, but it tendeth to increase. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, and it tendeth to poverty. No, your expediency is wrong. People tell me, I can't afford to give right now. What is my answer? What should your answer be if someone said that to you? You can't afford not to give right now. You say, well, I don't have that much. The widow woman had two mites. How many did she give? Two mites. Jesus noticed her. I wonder how she lived the rest of her life. You say, the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't have to. It says there is that scattereth, but it tendeth to increase. The one man they needed the most, the Messiah of God, promised perpetually to Israel in writing, the representative of God on earth they chose to murder. Never underestimate how low sin will go, even among religious leaders that are chief priests and Pharisees, the most conservative Jews that there were at that time. We are not talking about the liberals. It's much, it's much easier to get along with liberals than it is conservatives. Right. Just know that. Was that your experience, sister? It's easy to get along with liberals. The Sadducees didn't believe very much of anything, so there wasn't going to be a big problem with Sadducees like there was with Pharisees because Pharisees were so committed to their cause that they wouldn't let you believe any other way. And then those people that are more conservative will say, well, isn't more conservative more right? No, it's more wrong. That's how Pharisees were the biggest problems Jesus ever had to deal with. And so he reasons with them, and his reasoning from a political standpoint, from a military standpoint at times, is pragmatic, it's practical. But, oh, he didn't speak it of himself. Look at that verse 51. This spake he not of himself. Caiaphas did not come up with this idea by himself. Caiaphas did not mouth these words by himself. God did this through Caiaphas. This spake he not of himself. But being high priest that year, God chose the high priest of Israel to utter a prophecy. He prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Jesus would die for elect Jews and Gentiles, 
and bring them all together into one body and break down the middle wall of partition between them by the blood of his cross. Amen. Caiaphas meant it. One, if we kill one man, Rome will forget about us because we can explain them, to them that everything is peaceful again in Judea. So he had Jesus dying for the people in a different sense completely, but God brought through him those words, just like God had Balaam's transportation speak to him about going and cursing Israel. And so we have it here. It's beautiful. This is the substitutionary atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place for our sins, our sins being put upon him, his righteousness being put upon us on the cross of Calvary. And so there we are in verse 52, right here. Those that sit in this congregation were not Jews, were Gentiles. And so his words meant not for that nation only, but that he should also gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. That was good enough for them. Caiaphas came up with a good idea. All we got to do is kill this Jesus. Everything's going to be better for us. We'll keep our temple. We'll keep our worship. We'll keep our national independence. And they lost all of that. It came down on their heads in fury like they couldn't even imagine. A, a tribulation worse than it than had ever been seen on earth and has ever been seen came on that city. And if you're not familiar with it, then there's two books in the back. See me after the service. I'll help you find which two books will tell you about the destruction of Jerusalem for you to appreciate what fell on their heads. Amen. They took counsel together to put him to death. So Jesus left. Remember, he was there in chapter 10. He went to Bethabara. Many believed in him there. He came back for the glory of God, raised Lazarus, then left again and went to Ephraim. And he's going to come back in just a few weeks. And that will open up chapter 12. And we'll be down to the last week before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews' Passover was at hand. He wasn't going to miss the Passover. He was going to fulfill the Passover. Right. All praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't you ever worry about our enemies. Don't you worry about what they legislate in Washington or in Columbia or anywhere else. You have no idea how God might be using them at any point in time. Right. Right. When Ahasuerus has a problem with his wife and dethrones her and has a beauty contest and one of a, a church is hauled in before Ahasuerus and taken into that harem of all those women and a year later meets the king don't you just trust the Lord just keep trusting the Lord did that turn out okay Amen. did it turn out better than okay did it turn out a whole lot better than okay did she save the whole nation Amen. yes she did and does it help explain some other scriptures where you read and the queen was by him. When men came and asked that king for help in Jerusalem, did they get help? Amen. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised, and he has expressed himself through Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ did everything for the glory of God. He had a special affection for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He is the resurrection and the life. He has compassion upon us. He is empathetic and sympathetic toward us in our infirmities. He's able to weep, cry, groan, and be troubled in spirit. When we weep, cry, groan, and are troubled in spirit. When you go to God in prayer, you have a mediator at his right hand that was tempted in all points like as you are, is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and understands. And he will deliver you. And he has respect to our grief. And he is troubled inside about us. May the Lord bless us to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, to love him, and to love his Father from John chapter 11, and to never worry about anything happening politically. Amen. Amen. Amen.